The Start On Demand. On demand. New public health orders start today, and the province and business leaders are asking for kindness because restaurants and hotels and other businesses are under attack from angry, unvaccinated Manitobans. We'll also hear about challenges that nurses are facing and how morale is plummeting again in our hospital system. The Labor Day Classic goes this weekend. We speak to a Bomber fan living in Rider Nation who says the fan confidence in Saskatchewan is off the charts. Overconfidence. And what do your co-workers do that drives you crazy? Today we had a lot of fun discussing the office faux pas. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling, who's on vacation but back next week, and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, September 3rd podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. And as we head into the Labor Day weekend, Loren, I want to ask you a question. It was, it was nice to see you yesterday, by the way. Loren oh. was in the office. I saw you twice. Yes. So <laughs> you <laughs> just what happened? Well, I was in the lobby at 201 Portage and, you know, I was waiting down there for an engineer to bring us some equipment for uh, hitting the road next week for a show. And anyway, I see this guy come out of the elevator and I'm at like, I'm probably, I don't know, 40 50 feet away, and it's you. Tall guy, hat, looking down at his phone, wearing his coat. I'm like, Brett's here getting ready for the couch potatoes. He's maybe going out for a vape. I'm like, hey, Brett, how's it going? <laughs> this guy says nothing. I'm like, I can't remember what I yelled. He's like, a nice hat, because he had a new hat on and nothing. And then this guy comes up closer, and I was like, you're not Brett. And he's like, I am not, but I hope you're having a great day. And I was like, I am. <laughs> But it was a, like, it was probably only eight seconds, you know, overall, but it felt like this really long time where I was certain, certain it was you. And then, of course, I, 10 seconds later, I do see you and I'm like, okay, he's got a hat on and he's still tall, but it was, <laughs> but the mask, right? Like that mask, if, if there's any similar features, it takes so much longer to uh, notice who's who these days. Yep. I, one of our uh, colleagues downstairs, uh, Des, I, there are time. There have been a, a few times where she's walked past me, and I have had no idea because she makes these like really fancy, colorful masks. But they're they they're really big masks, and uh, sometimes you just can't tell until I'm right up beside her. Was th- th- was this guy wearing jeans? Yeah, he okay. had he had I he even him. had that coat like you, like that. You have that really nice fall coat. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what you would call it, but I, honest to God, Brett, it was like doppelganger. And then until you got up close and I was like, oh, wow, I'm way off here. Like, this is not. <laughs> ah, that's it's funny. Good thing it wasn't from behind. I would have followed that guy for like two blocks and he would have thought he had a stalker or something like but, that. Well, hey, I mean, it's, it's on, uh, at least you're being consistent, right? You said you love talking to strangers. It's true. I do. But I was, I felt awkward running into you yesterday. I texted you after to say, sorry, I feel like I don't know how to talk to people. Like I was all fidgety and you don't know what to do with your hands. And like, do I, I, no one's shaking hands. And I used to be such a huge hugger. And now I can't even like tap, you know, I just don't know what to do. I just, I I feel like going in panic mode, like hitting the parachute. Like I got to get out of this building. (laughs) I'd have given you a hug. We can do that now. (laughs) I know. I know. It just, it's been so long of doing things normally that I'm, very, very 
abnormal acting now. <laughs> anyway, you wanted to throw something at me. I, I derailed us with my doppelganger story. That was it. That was it. Oh. I, wanted, I wanted to ask you what happened. Good. So yes, that good. Was... Thank you. <laughs> so that, that was a funny story, and it was great to see you in person, probably for only the third time in the last 18 months. And one of the reasons why you are at home, of course, well, the reason you're at home is the pandemic. And we have, this is the day the new public health orders take effect, much to the chagrin of a number of Manitobans. You know, I'm trying really hard to, I tried, I woke up this morning and I was feeling like just blah, you know, normally Fridays you're tired, but you're excited for the weekend. And, and I want to, you know, we, we want to give our listeners all the information, but also just to have some fun. And, I'm, and I feel heavy today. And I've, and I've said this to someone um, just yesterday. You know how in, in the pandemic, I hate using the word waves, but there's been waves of um, information and then waves of COVID cases and waves of this pandemic. And now I feel like I'm in a wave of my, my third or fourth wave of kind of melancholy because I just I'm, I'm apprehensive and because I hope people are nice and kind to one another today and uh, I, I I do hope the vaccinations continue to rise and I I we have some audio we're going to play at seven listening to the chief nursing officer Lynette Siragusa on the show with Richard and Julie yesterday Brett like just the, what they're already going through at the hospitals again is so stressful to hear and so I ah, I just kind of feel ah, please you know like let's just short-term pain long-term gain yeah, at 6.37, we're going to hear also from the news with Rich and Julie from the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association and the Manitoba Hotel Association because uh, the messages of negativity, the messages of anger, and even messages of intimidation are continuing. So you've got teenage hosts and hostesses answering the phones at uh, places in, or at restaurants, and they're taking calls from angry Manitobans. Uh, thankfully, we'll also hear from them that many... Many Manitobans have stepped up and are showing support to these places that are being targeted uh, for this negativity. So we'll get more into that at 6.37. And we also want to talk about office faux pas. Richard's going to get a lot of play on our show today because Richard Cloutier um, had a little bit of a, a whoopsie-daisy involving chocolate. Um, I'm not going to tell you the full story. We'll tell the full story at 6.45, but let's just say it required... uh, Well, he provided a recorded apology to our friends down the hall, specifically Joe Aiello at Power 97, and they played the apology on their show. So it it turned out to be a pretty funny story, and Richard's a stand-up guy, and uh, he he was very humble in falling on the sword in that situation. So we'll give you the full details at 6.45. But you can start texting us now about the office faux pas that drives you crazy for a chance to win Banjo Bowl tickets. Off the top of your head, Loren, is there one that, uh, I mean, you're the office thief, so I would call that an office. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I borrow, and sometimes I forget to give things back, okay? Okay. Does that make, is that stealing? Yeah. It's like, (laughs) Engineer Mike, guys, and he says to me yesterday, he's giving me some equipment, and he said, do you want these headphones too? Like an extra set of headphones? And I was like, honestly, Mike, the more you give me, the less chance you have of all of it coming back. So just... <laughs> just, just not because I keep it. It just... I, we go, it would be put somewhere. You know? Like, I'll keep this here, and I'll bring it back to the office. And I couldn't even get into the office yesterday because I put my pass card away for safekeeping. And so and? I'm just trapped in the... I, it's, it hasn't been safely kept. I don't know where. It, I have like four spots I put things. I do not know where that thing is. So I just, I'm, I'm just the lobby loiterer. <laughs> Hanging in the lobby. 
McGarry and McNabb Mackling back next week. Today is the day. New public health orders kick in that limit the number of places non-vaccinated Manitobans can go. As of today, you'll need proof of double vaccination to attend indoor and outdoor sporting events and concerts, as well as restaurants, nightclubs, and other licensed facilities, including their patios. Casinos, bingo halls, and VLT lounges are also included, and movie theaters, fitness centers, and indoor recreation classes. Kids under 11 can still attend these places with a fully immunized parent, and staff at these locations will not be required to show proof of vaccination. So public health and business leaders are urging Manitobans to just stay calm, respect workers who are asking you to show your vaccination status. Global's Joe Scarpelli has more on the last-minute message and why they say it's needed. From one-star reviews to intimidating remarks, business owners are already dealing with backlash from new proof of vaccination requirements. But the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce wants to make it clear. These restrictions are made by the provincial government and public health officials, not by the server or the hostess at your local restaurant. But unfortunately, they've been forced to take the brunt of it. Chuck Davidson says the business community has dealt with enough stress the last year and a half. And while some businesses are refusing to participate in the vaccine passport program, he says for most, it's a no-brainer. If it's a decision between uh, do we put these measures in place that allow the businesses to be open and all we need to do is to, is to be able to check those people that are coming into our establishment or having to close our doors again and lay off our staff, then it's an easy decision for those businesses. The new vaccine passport system comes into effect for most businesses on Friday before it's expanded to include more public places next week. Dr. Brent Rusin says businesses must scan every QR code and then match it with photo ID. Doesn't matter how big or small the place might be. And so, yep, it's going to place a big burden on businesses, some more than others. But if we can maintain um, uh, proof of vaccine status uh, in these higher risk settings where people gather indoors for a prolonged period of time, it's uh, our best shot at keeping these facilities. Open. We don't know how long the rules will be in place, but he says it's not going to be short term. So let's respect each other, be kind, let's respect the science. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. Province has also announced that starting Tuesday, public outdoor events must be capped at 500 people. Fairs and festivals can earn an exception from the province pending safety plans. Uh, proof of vaccination will also be required for those attending indoor museums, galleries, and uh, food courts. Or I think that's supposed to say outdoor museums, galleries, and food courts. Uh, I think for those, uh, okay, we'll have to double check that. I'm trying to figure out that it's a pretty long list. And so I was going through it again yesterday when they put out that order, Brett, just because um, there's a lot to consider there, right? If you're heading out and also just to have that app handy or your card handy if you're going places. I said the first time I had to show it was at the Bomber game on Sunday and I was just a fool with my QR code and trying to load up that app. And then also having your ID handy, right? Because if they're in theory to check to make sure that the name matches uh, what's on the QR code. And, and yeah, here we are. And, you know, yeah, we talked a lot yesterday about the people who were upset about this, not just because, you know, um, they might be vaccinated or unvaccinated. There are vaccinated people who don't like these regulations, but there are also people like Adam Brett who texted to say, new orders take effect. I'm not being tongue in cheek with that. I'm happy the new orders go into effect. Adam had written, woohoo, about time we start rewarding the vaccinated. So there's also people who feel like that, that they're they're feeling good about this. And there are also businesses that want to be on that list because it might make life easier for them and they're not. And so we're going to have that chat throughout the day as well, Brett.
McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. Thank you very much for joining us on this Friday as we head into the Labor Day weekend. In our next segment, we are going to tell you how you can win Banjo Bowl tickets, and it has to do with the office faux pas. And a reminder that it's Friday, so the Couch Potatoes Assemble at 7.37. A huge movie opens this weekend. And uh, one of my favorite shows is back in action on Netflix. So I'm excited to tell you about that at 7.37. Loren, what are we talking about after 7 o'clock? Well, we need to hear a bit more of that audio from Lynette Siragusa that our listeners have been getting from Jeff Braun in the newscast about the shortages that we're seeing uh, in ERs when it comes to staffing and the struggles they're having there. And I'm going to share with you uh, what the current wait times are at some of the hospitals in the city. They're the worst they've been in seven years. And man, if you're at one of the ERs this morning, it, it, there's no improvement right now. HSC right now looks like it has a wait time of about eight hours if you're in that ER looking for help. And so we're in a situation, we're entering the fourth wave, and they're preparing for it the best they can. But there's a big but here, and we'll share that with listeners just after 7. We've been telling you for the last couple of days about a group of angry Manitobans who are bombarding businesses like restaurants with backlash for enforcing the rules, saying these businesses are promoting segregation and discrimination. And in some cases, those messages of negativity, Brett, we've been telling people, um, have gone beyond uh, intimidation. Yesterday on the news with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham, the Restaurant Association and Food Services Association, Sean Jeffrey, spoke to them about what they're hearing and had this to say about the backlash. It's disappointing. It's disappointing to have a few um, people really lashing out against uh, operators for just following the health order. They're just doing what they can to try to stay open. And that's the key thing there, that our industry cannot survive another lockdown. And we're going to do whatever it takes to be able to maintain and stay open. So in order to proceed with that and follow the health orders, we've been receiving a monumental amount of backlash, uh, both on social media and in person, calling restaurants, yelling at 16 and 17 and 18-year-old hosts and hostesses because we're requiring something that's mandated by the provincial government and uh, it's just it's unacceptable scott jocelyn meanwhile president and ceo of the manitoba hotel association also joined rich and julie and he says his members are fielding similar calls yeah you know richard i you know it's kind of disappointing to hear right like it's we're, we're trying to do we're trying to be open we're not setting the rules uh we're trying to follow the rules well you know i've said to you before we would do anything to be open we can't be closed and uh you know we have a you know, with being regulated, there are lots of rules that we normally have to impose upon our people. So we, we do, we are, you know, we are kind of comfortable with doing that. This is a lot, uh, you know, and we're looking for people to uh, to realize it's not our rules. We're just, we're just trying to follow the rules that government's putting in front of us. Province says it will provide businesses with government-issued signs with messaging along the lines of, don't blame the workers, they didn't make the rules, we did. Jocelyn is pleased. You know, I have that perspective, Richard, that I've been on the front lines. I'm not on the front lines today. Uh, I do, you know, we have people that are on the front lines. I know how difficult it is to impose the rules under normal circumstances. So to have something from the government that you can point to and say, just in case you've been living under a rock and you don't know that these are rules that we're having to enforce, we didn't make them up. These are rules. So again, I, I think that if the government can supply us with that, which they've said they're going to, I think that you know that hopefully will be helpful. I don't. I don't think that's going to take care of our, all of our problems. There will be some people that you know just aren't going to get it, unfortunately. But we're hoping that that can help with some. 
I've even seen some signs that have up in stores I've gone in, Brett, that will say the province says masks are mandatory. It was a handwritten sign I saw the other day, and I felt like that business might be saying, like, listen, I'm, I'm stating it right now. Don't get mad at me on the masks. And so Sean Jeffrey, he pointed out that even though the vocal minority has been bullying restaurants, many more Manitobans have stepped up to help each other out, like Silver Heights Restaurant and Lounge, which is owned by Tony Sawicki, who is also the board chair for the Restaurant Association. Absolutely. And absolutely, you know, and I have to say that Manitobas came out to our chairperson of our association and received a lot of heat this week uh, from his business. And uh, he got some, the last couple of days, some amazing support from some really amazing Manitobas. So thank you for doing that. He really needed it after a couple of days, uh, rougher days for him. So Manitobas will always come to the table. I know they are. That's why I'm proud to be a Manitoban. And I was one of them. I went, I went to Silver Heights on Wednesday. I bumped it up on my itinerary. I had it on my list on my radar for the burger week. But uh, when I heard what was happening there, I made sure that that was my uh, first stop on the first day of the burger week because I wanted to make sure that I showed them my support. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to do it, right? There's lots of ways you can go out. If you're if you're feeling for these restaurants and the bullying they're seeing, it kind of reminds me of what we were going through when there was lockdowns, right? That push for takeout, you know, order takeout Wednesday or takeout Tuesday or whatever it was. And so now maybe we should be thinking, okay, if you have the means, what what else could you do to get out there and, and tip your server even if you think she's doing a really good job? And I noticed lately at a lot of places, Brett, that aren't, even when I'm not dining in, they might be asking for, um, you know, when they, you get that prompt for the tip. And I've thought in a number of places um, about adding extra just because, and have, just because, like, you know, you know, you know they're going through things, right? It's not easy. And uh, particularly because a lot of it is kids. The food service industry is a lot of part-time workers. They might be going back to school as well. I mean, they all have their stresses. So whatever we can do to help out, I think, is key. And just to remember that, you know, you don't want to be bullied for your choice. They don't want to be bullied for doing their job. Yeah. And like phoning a restaurant and yelling at a teenager for, I mean, they're just there to make a few dollars, maybe to save up for school, maybe just to have some extra pocket change. They're not making the rules. So if you are thinking of calling a restaurant to yell at them, maybe just think about it. Imagine if it was your kid or your brother, your sister, your friend. Would you want them to have to go through that? I doubt it. Gary McNabb, Mackling back next week. We're giving away Banjo Bowl tickets at 9.15 based on your text messages. And today it will relate to the office faux pas. Here's a backstory. Tuesday morning, Joe Aiello from Power 97 comes into the studio to ask if I know who's been using his studio in the evenings. Because two days in a row, there was chocolate mashed into the chair. And it got on his clothes. I didn't know who it was, so he left a note reminding people to clean up after themselves and don't leave smeared chocolate on the chair. Turns out it was our buddy Richard Cloutier. He's, host, he's been hosting the evening national show, and I, that's the studio that he's using. So um, yesterday morning, Richard left Joe $20 for dry cleaning. I know Henry Barr, and uh, I recorded Apology which they played on their show, by the way. They had some fun with it. Here is that apology. I'm filling in all evening, uh, and I talked about you last night. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, that's not it. Shoot. That's, I don't know what that was. So I'm not going to play that, because the last time I played a clip that I didn't hear <laughs> listen to ahead of time got myself in a little bit of trouble. But the point is, Richard uh, humbly fell on the sword for uh, soiling, as he put it, for soiling Joe's linens. And uh, he, so Richard's a stand-up guy. He, 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 he came forward and said, it was me. So 
What office faux pas drives you nuts? Cameron Poitras, let's start with you. Uh, when people take things from my desk and do not return them, and then I have no idea who that person is. That drives me nuts. Like, you're, you're welcome to come to my desk and take absolutely anything there. If you, you know, sometimes you misplace a pen, sometimes you need a pair of scissors, that's fine. But if I go there the next day and I need them, and I had them in a cup or wherever I had them placed, and they're not there anymore, uh, it's kind of annoying. I'm going to tell you right now, the culprit is either Loren yes. or Clay. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, uh, but yeah, I, those are the two Loren finger, finger pointing at. I tell you I'm doing it. I'm taking the pen right off your desk, Cam. You're never going to get it back. Like, that's how I roll. <laughs> like, at least you know. I'm not doing it in secret, like ding, 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 like, like a little bandit coming in at uh, night or something. I didn't want something. to say anything. I didn't want to say anything. Loren comes down to the office from home just to take people's <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, so, Bron, what about you? Uh, I was actually going to bring up the lost pen thing, too, but I'll switch to another one. I, I've, the thing, it's not really a full pause, it's just a, a thing that irritates me is when I see someone in the morning and say hi and they say hi back, that is fine. Uh, but then for the rest of the, you know, the next eight hours, every time the person sees you, they say hi again like we hadn't just said hi first thing in the morning. <laughs> that that It messes with my mind. It drives me up the wall. I, I'm not going to name names. A couple of people do that. Just, oh, hi, Jeff. It's like, yeah, we already said hi. We can just walk <laughs> past each other without oh, talking to each I'm other. I'm so doing this. Well, I, I, I just give you a thumbs up. That's what I do. Anytime I see you in the office, just, just thumbs smile up. and nod. That's all you got No, do. I give you the thumbs up. Thumbs up is okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Loren, you're... <laughs> Loren's just taking ammunition right now. Are you taking she notes? She just texted me. She texted I, me. Hi, I, Jeff. I just texted him. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> I'm like literally writing this all down. I'm going to take Cam's pants. I'm going to overfriend Jeff. And uh, just it's going to be great. I, here's what I hate. How important are you that you need to have your text message alert system on all the time? Yes. So it's constantly like... <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is, and I'm not going to name names, but there is a person in this building uh, who I would not be able to work next to. It's so annoying. And, and I get it. We have a certain alerts for breaking news and that kind of thing, and so I can appreciate those. But when your phone has the alerts going for every Twitter notification, email, text, and I, it bugs me too when people are even like that when they come visit, you know, and their their phone is on in that manner too because I, again getting back to urgency if, if something urgent is happening i think your phone will ring that's how i live and so therefore i don't need to have the alert system on and that bugs me actually and, and the, the thing that gets me with that unfortunately is because and i don't get nearly as many notifications as you loren i've sort of silenced a lot of that stuff but i still get a lot of notifications so i can't have the ringer on it's just too many right. but even the vibrate i i mostly have my phone on silent so then what ends up happening is i miss phone calls i missed two phone calls from me yesterday because my phone was on silent so sorry about that my phone is always on silent for that exact reason I like and, and then when I hear that ding, I always look at my phone and so I leave it on and then it's you know always blank and so yeah, I'm with you. Forte, what about you? Oh, it's a sticky situation. But <laughs> sometimes like I hear in the morning and it's dark in my studio. That's the way I like it. And I come in, I'll sit down, I put my hand down on the desk, and all of a sudden it's like, oh. Ew, what is that? Oh. What is that? And like it's whatever somebody was eating the day before, it's like, just clean the desk, please, just clean it. Yeah. Like mistakes happen, messes happen, but at least just clean up after yourself. And I'm a clean freak. 
And if you want to get into that, like, I don't even get into the bathroom situation, especially at the old studios <laughs> when you only had the one toilet. Yeah. And uh, people are just pigs. <laughs> I'm telling you. The shared workspace, if you don't clean up after yourself, I have never understood that. Like, I would, uh, in our old building, uh, sometimes the uh, our weekend team were like the weekend news deskers, they would sit at my desk and I'd come in Monday morning and there'd be crumbs everywhere and there'd be like a sticky, syrupy leftovers from their drink and it would drive me insane. But the thing that re- used, really made me insane and we haven't really seen that in the pandemic um, was people who left their dishes just in the sink. There's yeah. a, oh, all the time. A, I remember somebody put up a sign above the sink saying, approximately three feet southwest of this location is a dishwasher. That's where <laughs> your, your dishes go. And it was almost like people were defiant. They ignored the sign, just piling them up in the sink. Like, is it really that hard? Or another one, Braun, I think this used to drive you crazy, too, is when people would toss their stir stick in the sink. Ugh. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not a garbage can. It's... Just basic, like, I don't even know what that is. That's just uh, being malicious for the sake of being malicious, it feels like. <laughs> well, Ke- Kelly Moore declared war on those uh, on those sink yeah. people. Yeah. And, and I, I find uh, it disgusting, too, especially when there's, like, a pool of water in every single mug <laughs> and on the bottom of every single plate. And it's like when you, you spill it out and it's like, what, is, what, it was, what was on here? It's got coffee and food. It's so gross. Oh. I, that, that grosses me out like It's crazy. just as bad as, like, when somebody has porridge or something like that and they don't... Rinse it, they and they, they leave it in the sink throughout the weekend, and it's it's cement. You can't get it out of there. <laughs> yeah, you basically need a chisel to clean that off. Uh, so how does that, Lorena, are you still taking notes? Like, are well, you- I, That kitchen stuff drives me nuts, and I often would be cleaning that sink, too, just because it made me so crazy. I, and you'll if you were ever in my house, you'll hear me at least three times a day, why is there a bowl in the sink? The dishwasher's empty. Like, unless the dishwasher is in on the clean cycle, I don't know why I have to stare at anyone's dishes at any time. And so that one bugs me. But yeah, no, I'm going to repeatedly harass Jeff, steal uh, Cam's stuff. And okay. you know what? Another thing I like people to be prepared for is just bring extra food so I can have some. You know, like... <laughs> you can use my desk for your coats anytime, Loren. It's, it's, I do. It, and I have. It is your, I it is your, lo- it is your locker. Why you, I don't hang my coat... Go to the kitchen, coat. <laughs> to I don't the kitchen hang my and coat. scrape out the bowls. <laughs> McGarry and McNabb, you've got us rocking with your text messages at 204-780-6868 on the Office Faux Pas. Funny text from Crystal. We're going to share that with you in 10 minutes' time. Also, a reminder, the couch potatoes assemble at 737. And then at 807, why aren't personal services on the list for the double vaccinated. We're going to speak with a business owner who is a little PO'd. But right now... As you've been hearing in the news with Jeff Braun this morning, wait times are up in Winnipeg's emergency rooms, averaging two and a half hours. That's the worst they've been in seven years, Loren. Yeah, I was saying I just went on the WRHA website right now, and you can just type in wait times to see what the situation is at various hospitals. And, you know, the urgent cares are hovering around three hours. The wait time right now at St. Boniface Hospital is just over seven hours, and there's over 40 adults at HSC's ER. And so that average wait there just this morning is eight and a half hours. That's the current wait time if you're there. And so it's been a real problem of late, and Chief Nursing Officer Lynette Saragusa says staffing shortages are immense right now now. Definitely there are 
significant vacancies in the emergency right now, and that is causing stress for all all providers working in emergency. Um, the wait times are up, uh, uh, partly because of staffing, I would say, but also uh, we call this access block, where we cannot get the patients to the beds inside, like the inpatient beds in the hospital. So that is part of a bigger problem where we need to, um, it's called patient flow. And again, that's not a new problem, but what's happened, I think, is during COVID, we, we had a bit of a lull in the numbers of people coming to emergency and um, and now we're, we're seeing those numbers go up. So the staffing is down, the numbers are up and the flow is not moving as quickly as we need it to. So those wait times are, are up and Sarah Gusa, who was on the news with Richard and Julie yesterday afternoon, said the ERs have been so busy at times, you know, with not enough staff, Brett, that there actually have been moments where managers had to step onto the ER floor. One of our... Um, most high-risk areas right now is emergency. So uh, we have had people, it's never ideal to have managers and administrators uh, be working in the emergency, but sometimes it's necessary when we need extra hands and uh, very grateful for everyone who contributes. We've talked to nurses several times throughout the pandemic, each wave bringing on various waves of emotion. Darlene Jackson, president of the Nurses Union, says over the past few weeks, Something has shifted. During wave two, what the emails I were getting from nurses were, I'm going to, I'm going to finish this. We're going to see COVID through. We're going to make sure our patients are cared for. And then I'm going to retire and I'm gone. And what I'm hearing now is I can't wait. I can't wait. Wave three almost did us in. And wave four is coming. We know it's coming. And, and, you know, when you look at BC and Alberta, it's not uh, it's not going to be any different than wave three. So I have nurses who are saying right now, I can't do any more. I'm gone. And I, I, you know, I, I talked to somebody the other day who said she's heard that there's seven nurses retiring in one week at Health Sciences Centre. So that was Darlene Jackson. And she said, you know, also adding to a bit of the stress for nurses was the protest that was seen earlier the week outside hospitals. She said, you know, you, you have the right to protest. Could you pick somewhere else? That really was upsetting to a lot of frontline workers to have to deal with that and see with that, knowing that they're in there trying to save lives. And, and on the outside, there's all that anger. And so that was also one of the comments Jackson had to make. And, you know, here we are, as we she talked about the fourth wave. Well, Lynette Saragusa is reminding people that they're not just preparing for that next wave, but that it will coincide with flu season, other respiratory illnesses. And, and this time around, it's kids that they're keeping their eye on. Every wave has been different, and this wave, uh, we are involving more pediatrics across the province to look at uh, what do we need to do to be prepared for those who are not vaccinated. So talking about communication to parents, prevention, how do you manage respiratory virus, whether it's COVID or RSV or influenza, when do you go seek help, where do you go for help, so all those things. The other issue that we're looking at is, uh, if you recall, we had a virtual COVID program where we supported people at home, sometimes on oxygen. We would have daily contact. It was really, really, patients loved it. And we were focused on COVID in the city. So now we're starting to span that out broader beyond Winnipeg and also beyond COVID, looking at influenza and RSV. So how can we support people in the home as much as possible? And I would say the most important thing that we can do as a health system is encourage people 
to get that to get vaccinated. It is really the best precaution we can uh, put into place. The the outcomes we see in the hospital are profound. People who have had their two vaccinations and waited a period of two weeks, it is so effective. And so we're hoping that uh, Manitobans will continue to get vaccinated and um, we will weather this storm like we have the last three. I have to tell you, when I heard her talk about how they're prepping for the fourth wave for pediatrics, my heart sunk, you know, just thinking about how they're working to think about the kids and also about flu season and all these other things coming in. Brett, after 8.30, we're going to speak with the the Association of Right regulated nurses of Manitoba. They do surveys with nurses. Last year at this time, the morale was already low. You heard Darlene Jackson reference how uh, nurses are feeling. Well, Dr. Cheryl Cusack will join us to give us just a bit more of an inside look on what's going on on the floors of these hospitals these days. And that's what this is all about, right? That's what we're. That's why these public health orders have been enacted. It's not about mm-hmm. punishing the unvaccinated. It's about protecting those who can't yet get vaccinated. Uh, and that includes kids. And uh, as far as that protest goes outside the hospital, I'm stu- that was a line too far. Like, go somewhere else. Don't go and harass. Like, there, uh, a healthcare worker, I, th- I believe, was assaulted in one of the protests in BC. Like, what are you doing? Uh, go somewhere else. McGarry and McNabb mackling back next week. We're talking about the office faux pas, the things that your coworkers do that drive you crazy. Tell us a story at 204-780-6868. Chance to win banjo bowl tickets. We're giving those away just after 9.15. And Loren, you mentioned to me that you really dig Crystal's text. Well, I like Crystal's text because I jokingly said that I like to, you know, people should bring extra food. And that's only because I'm the person, if I smell like something being microwaved or someone brings in takeout or whatever, I immediately, I just need to know what it is. And I go over like, oh, hamburger, eh? Like, I just, I want to know what's going on. And so Crystal texted with a photo and she said, you know what, Loren, you don't need to ask people to bring enough lunch for you. Just add your name to their lunch. And it's a snapshot of a plate of takeout food inside a work fridge and I think the name on top is Chrislin and then underneath it's been added in someone else's handwriting and Crystal and a smiley face. So I could just go around with like a Sharpie. Just add my name to the containers. You know, <laughs> Brett and Loren. We're sharing. Uh, we got also got one this another picture here. This is the office faux pas I deal with, says this listener. There is a cabinet in my office with company supplies. Even though there is a sign clearly stating, please close the cabinet after use, it's always left open and it drives me crazy. And this sign is so clear and it's, it's in that, uh, that same font, the, the keep calm and move on or whatever with the, the crown. Mm-hmm. Please close cabinet after use. And there it is, wide open. <laughs> Do you think people uh, like ignore signs just out of spite? I, I don't know what it is. Sometimes, yes, I know for sure. Like that, clean the microwave sign. I've heard people say like, if people get too obnoxious or you know snarky in it, it kind of makes them want to do the opposite. Kind of like when you're a teenager and your your mom or dad would say something to you, and it just made you want to rebel. You know, it's kind of that same attitude. Michelle texted to say. I hated the fact that it seemed every time I went for coffee, the pot was empty and I'd have to make a new pot before I could enjoy. And that is annoying. Like who puts the empty pot back in the coffee maker and walks away? Same when you like go to your fridge and you reach in for the milk or juice container (laughs) and it's got like maybe two milliliters, like just a dribble. 
And I'm like, who did this? And <laughs> someone always says, there's still some left. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I used to do that all the time when oh. I was a teenager. And uh, I know that's something that drives a lot of people crazy. So keep your text coming for a chance to win some banjo bowl tickets. Gary and McNabb, Mackling back next week. Loren, who are we talking to after Global News at 8.30? We're going to speak to uh, Dr. Cheryl Cusack. She's with the uh, Nurses Association. We've been hearing some clips in the news run just about how morale is so low. And that was a big fear back after the second wave. You know, how were nurses and hospital staff going to have the strength to get through the second and into the third? And now we're approaching the fourth and we're hearing about staffing shortages and all the rest. And so we're going to dig more into just what's going on in our hospital floors. What are nurses thinking and feeling and, and how can we ramp up the staffing situation in a short period of time if this fourth wave is looming. So that conversation after 8.35. One of the things not on the list of things you can only do or attend if you're double vaccinated, personal services, things like haircuts, massages, getting your nails done, etc. I was talking to someone who works in personal services who said they're not sure what to do if they're going to serve unvaccinated customers or not, and they're wishing that the decision was not left to them because they could potentially lose customers if they are making that decision. So yesterday, the question was posed to Dr. Brent Rusin about this, and here was his answer. Yeah, and as we were mapping this out, we, we considered a number of options, including uh, personal services in there, then the decision just on the um, uh, the sheer uh, you know volume of people indoors in, in these places at the same time, that we're going to still have the mask mandate, we can, uh, you know, certainly considered it, but didn't move on it at this point. Um, but I think this is, the, you know, I mean, this highlights it. I mean, I, I think that um, if we did include it, um, we would, you know, there would be a question here today about how difficult that is for businesses to, to, um, in the personal service, to, to be able to implement it, and why we were forcing them to do it. Our go-to guy in the personal services industry is Rosario Cesario from the Pure Escape Massage Therapy on Cordon. Rosario, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me, guys. So, oh, and I understand, Loren, by the way, I think, Rosario, are you in Clear Lake today? I am in Clear Lake. Yes! Greatest place on earth. <laughs> don't don't make here. me... Beautiful. Yes, I, absolutely it is. I might head there just to yell your name on the street, Rosario. <laughs> so what's your take on this, uh, Rosario? What are, you, what are you feeling? You know, here's how I feel. First, I, I respect everyone's right to be vaccinated and to not be vaccinated. But to put the decision on us, whether we're going to enforce it or not, is to me just wrong. Because they're putting us in a no-win situation. And I'll explain, you know, why. When we talked a month ago about the masks, you know, but they were going to take away the masks. And, you know, you guys asked me, what are you going to do? And I said, you know, we're probably going to keep going with with the masks. And then I had to post that to our clients and to the public. And we did it on social services, on, on you know, our social side. Well, you know, we we got a lot of the good where clients are like, thank you, Rosario. Thank you, Periscape, for keeping us safe. But then you also get the, oh, you guys are just a bunch of sheep, you, you know, and this is, you know, people posting this on public. Oh, you got to wear your muzzle to come there. You know, like we're in a no-win situation. Like this is public health. I understand a business that could post a sign that says no shirt, no shoes, no service. Okay, that's 
that's, that's kind of just common sense, right? But like we're talking about public health here and you're putting it on us. If we impose it, we're bad. If we don't impose it, what are people going to think? Like, I, how, do you, how do you do it? Like, don't put public health on an individual business. That's crazy. So what are you going to do? Like, what's your decision when it comes to whether or not you serve unvaccinated or, or you even ask that question? You, you can't even ask that. You know, you, how do you ask that question? And then how do you impose it? You know, the, I don't see how we even how we even do that. And I mean, let's be real. We've gotten to this point without doing it. And now all of a sudden we're going to do it. I, th- I think we're good. We're taking every measure possible at work. You know, we pre-screen. We, we make sure that, you know, clients understand the situation, where, you know, the, of them coming in. They get the, uh, uh, the pre-screening questionnaire before they come in. So we're doing everything we can. Sanitization everywhere, cleaning the rooms constantly for clients. We're doing everything on our side. And we've been, we've had no issues, nothing so far. So, I mean, we're going to continue doing what we are doing. How does your staff uh, feel? How the staff, uh, you know, again, because we're, we, we, we've done masks before they were mandated uh, by the government uh, to keep staff and everyone safe, uh, you know, clients, our families. We're going to do everything we can. And they're comfortable with the decisions, you know, that I'm making to keep them safe. It's, it's you know, about safety for us and the clients. So, you know, so far we're, we're good. So will you have different protocols then, you know, for, or like, or does the routine stay the same? So say someone comes to your door, if you're not, you're just not going to ask the question at all then? Like you won't know, you'll just carry on as usual and sanitize Correct. and wipe down? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're not going to ask no. their status? Because, because the big thing is we're pre-screening. So, you know, we're, we're at least t- doing that as a measure. So, and, and then, okay, so we ask that question. Here's the problem. How do we, how do we check that? You know, we don't have the QR code reader. You know, like, uh, how do we even check? How do we know? Uh, it's, uh, you know, that, that step two. But, uh, I mean, so far we've been good. So, um, you know, but to put it on us to be responsible, like, have one rule all the way across the board. Why, why are you not, why is there a separation? That's the part I don't understand. This is public health. Rosario Cesario is with the Pure Escape Massage Therapy on Cordon. Rosario, thanks so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate uh, the time, as always, and enjoy your time at Clear Lake. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. And listen, if you need a massage, I've been to see Rosario a few times. Uh, always I come do. out of there feeling like a new man. You need a new, You say you need a massage, Loren? Oh, I do. I'm, maybe I'll go to Clear Lake this weekend while he's on vacation. Hey! <laughs> so, uh, you know... Like, I'll, I'll just show up with my own oil and, like, bed? <laughs> Hey, is this, you got 90 minutes? In the meantime, we've got the new public health orders in effect with a long list of things that only the double vaccinated can do now. And I, I am okay with that because I want to see our economy keep moving and to see those who can't be vaccinated uh, be protected because the alternative, I guess, Loren, would be to just shut her down again. Mm-hmm. And it's it's generated so many. I feel like now more than ever, perhaps the opinions are, are 
coming in fast and furious and that divisiveness we've talked about for weeks now. And so today's the day. And I talked earlier, Brett, about how I feel like I've gone through different waves of emotion. And honestly, I hate even using that word wave now because it comes in connotations of the pandemic, you know, the first, the second, the third, now the fourth wave. And I can only imagine how I would be feeling if I was working inside a personal care home or a hospital, an ICU, the ER, the wait times we've been talking about all morning, they're up. Uh, I just checked the website right now for WRHA. HSC now, the wait time sits at 10 hours this morning. And so we've heard about how that's a combination of more people going to hospital, staffing shortages and all the rest. But the morale is low for many staff. And that's where we want to take the conversation right now. Dr. Cheryl Cusack is the executive director with the Association of Regulated Nurses of Manitoba and is our guest this morning. Hi. Hello. I guess it's a simple question, but what are you hearing from nurses in the ER and our ICUs right now? Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, the morale is is low. Uh, we actually, um, at the association, our, our members are uh, work across nursing um, sectors. They're uh, RPNs, LPNs, registered nurses, nurse practitioners, educators, managers, and across across all uh, different types of nursing roles. Um, when we did a survey last year, we heard uh, concerns about morale, mental health, physical health, and and burnout. And um, we have continued. That was that was uh, actually almost a year ago now and uh, we have continued to hear those concerns that have been expressed and um, in Manitoba and uh, Canada we're uh, we're continuing to hear the same thing nurses are just they're carrying a a large burden of depression and and mental health issues and um, so it's quite concerning we also understand that on top of that they're they're even feeling trauma right Definitely, definitely trauma. Um, you know, I, nurses are, are there. They're the backbone of the health system. Um, right now, in our over the past year, where um, when family hasn't been as accessible, nurses are the ones who've been there with with the public, and so that trauma is coming from seeing people on a regular basis who are passing away, dealing with families who are experiencing significant trauma themselves. And so that's not easy from a, from a professional perspective. It's, um, it takes a toll because nurses are, during their work day, they're, it, it's constantly they're dealing with exhaustion, they're dealing with short staffing, and then they're, they're trying to be there for their patients and families. So, um, and, and then nurses are also people, so they have their own families and uh, personal situations that they're dealing with. So, so it really is a lot. And um, what we continue to hear from nurses is that they're, they're feeling tired and they're feeling overwhelmed. I, just a, a short story, we um, had a, an email that came in from a, a person who'd been off on maternity leave. and. She's been away for 18 months, and what she commented on was the dramatic decline that she noticed in the morale of her colleagues. And she's a float nurse, and she goes to various hospitals, and she just she really commented that 
wherever she went, nurses are tired and overwhelmed and um, feeling taken advantage of. And she really noticed that change over the past 18 months. I'm sorry to hear that, particularly, uh, Dr. Cusack, as we head into this fourth rave. And, and yesterday, Chief Nursing Officer Lynette Siragusa, she explained that, you know, they're prepping for that fourth wave. But in the meantime, wait times are up. I mentioned at HSC right now, 10 hours is the time. And yeah. she said it was a combination of staffing shortages. I just want to play a clip from her and then just get your ask a follow-up question. So here's what she had to say on, on part what's going on right now. The wait times are up, uh, uh, partly because of staffing, I would say, but also uh, we call this access block where we cannot get the patients to the beds inside, like the inpatient beds in the hospital. So that is part of a bigger problem where we need to, um, it's called patient flow. And again, that's not a new problem, but what's happened, I think, is during COVID, we, we had a bit of a lull in the numbers of people coming to emergency and um, and now we're, we're seeing those numbers go up. So you might not know the answer to this question, but I wanted to ask, does that mean patients are being treated in the hallways? Are we seeing some form of hallway medicine again now? Well, I, I think Lynette talked about patient flow, and uh, patient flow is a term that's been um, discussed for a long time. And what we're, like the essence of that is trying to ensure that Staffing and hospitals are are prepared. We have the right number of nurses. We have the right number of support staff. We have the right number of beds, so that we can um, so that the patients can get the care that they need. And we really do need to have. It would be helpful to have some uh, better data on um, what, like our workforce, in particular, our nursing workforce. Uh, we know how many students go into nursing. We know graduates. But we need to get a better sense around um, what the, how many healthcare workers we need in different settings. What's the right mix? What's the right mix of healthcare, se- of healthcare workers in emergencies? What's the right mix in long-term care? What's the right mix in uh, ICUs? Um, so that everybody can work to their full scope of practice. We want nurses. Nurses are highly skilled, highly knowledgeable, educated professionals. We want them to be working to the full scope of practice. And what that means in our healthcare teams is that nurses are, um, that we also have um, unregulated workers, that we have clerks, that we have, um, so that nurses aren't having to, um, to do things that can be done by others. So uh, a per, uh, one example I've heard of, of some of our members have commented is that um, sometimes nurses end up having to enter data because there's nobody else to enter that data and it requires a trained uh, clerk to do that. So things like that, um, even things like uh, adequate healthcare staffing so that um, nurses, um, you know, nurses want the environment to look well if if uh, an individual is passing away for their family. So everybody can, so that the teams are there working together and um, that, that that staffing is, is adequate. Can we address the shortages in time for this fourth wave? Is that something that's even possible? Like, do we know how many nurses we would need within this next, you know, four, six, eight weeks? 
Well, we've had some graduates. Uh, we've got some recent graduates going into the uh, nursing workforce right now. So, so that is, is positive. Um, but I think our members have said over and over again that we need recruit, we need not only to recruit nurses, we need to retain nurses. And that the work as a uh, association is working um, hard to try and um, understand some of those retention issues um, because we know that nurses, you know, when we, you spoke earlier about trauma and depression and, and, that means that nurses are less likely to stay in the profession. So it's not just getting nurses in, it's keeping them there. So it's, and, and it's not, you know, you get nurses in and you have nurses leave right, like constantly. So understanding again, just that workforce data is really important so that we um, can, can ensure that we have an adequate uh, supply in in the various uh, sectors of um, of healthcare. Dr. Cheryl Cusack is the executive director with the Association of Regulated Nurses of Manitoba. Thank you very much for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. McGarry and McNabb mackling back next week, so we'll replace one M with another. We say hello to Marshawn. Gabby Marshawn, host of Global News Morning, our Gab with Gabby. Hello there, Gabby. Good morning. Happy Friday ahead of a long weekend. Does it get any better than that? Loren? It does not. I'm like in such a slouch mode right now. If you saw me, I just look like (laughs) such a slacker. I'm like... Like, I couldn't get farther down in my chair. if I tr- I'd have to be on the floor to go any farther in this slouch. That's, my weekend mode is on. <laughs> Hands are off. I, I fall asleep sometimes in that position. And let me tell you, uh, it's not good for your lower back. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Feels good at the time. Feels terrible later. Yeah. Feels great. Okay, so Gabby, today we're talking about the office faux pas, the things that our coworkers do that drive us crazy. And we're giving away Banjo Bowl tickets in our next segment. So you can still text us at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win. But what do you got, Gabby? Oh, I'm really worried, Loren, for you to come back to the office and experience my bad habits. I always have crumbs everywhere. You guys know how I feel about snacking. Like, I want snacks on hand at all times. But somehow those snacks end up all over my clothes, my chair, around my desk. I feel really bad. One of our anchors, Kevin Hirschfield, shares a pod with me. And I found the other day, like, all these little almonds that have been sitting under kind of our shared space in the desk for I don't know how long. There's some granola down there, some bits of cookie. Like, this is for sure how we get mice. So I cleaned it up, but I'm definitely a messy eater. And uh, I also, you know, I used to touch people. (laughs) Like, I always pat people on the arm or pat them on the back. And I realize you really should not touch people in office settings in 2021. I'm way too friendly with everybody. So is that because pandemic or you just because it's not appropriate? I just think in general, you should make sure people are comfortable with that. Like I actually found out one of our coworkers doesn't like hugs and I just assumed everybody wanted a hug from me. That is not the case. So (laughs) stop touching people and stop leaving your crumbs everywhere. Gabby, you and Loren, you and Gabby can have a hug competition. (laughs) 
we should be best friends. Did we just become best friends? Do you, t- do you touch people too? Is that a thing? Well, I don't anymore. No, it's a you know like I'm a hugger for sure, and like you know a tap you know a tap on the shoulder or you know like I, if I like someone's outfit, I have to stop myself from reaching out and saying, oh like what material is that? You shouldn't be feeling people's clothing material, and so. It's just, I, I've had to tamp that down. And you're right, not appropriate. I get it. I like sharing people's food. Like, I'm not going to pick your crumbs up off the floor. <laughs> I, I don't know. Are you eating people's food out of the refrigerator? Are you that coworker? No, no, no. Okay. I'm okay. the one that comes as soon as food, like, you bring your lunch to your desk. Oh, I'm yeah. curious what the smell is. Oh, what are you having? And then if there's an extra spoon around, I will dip into your soup. You know, like, I'm that person. <laughs> love that. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with like giving somebody a pat on the back, but I mean, I guess it provided you check beforehand. I'm not giving them creepy caresses, just to be clear. Like, I don't think... I, I hope people understand. I'm just a friendly. I'm a toucher feeler person, Lauren. It sounds like you're the same, but I don't know now what's but okay ha- and isn't. No, and you do have to respect that it's so different for everyone. I had a colleague once too, where um, I, I think I went up just to tap him on the shoulder or something after. He fixed something in the newsroom, and uh, he said, "No, hey, Loren, I don't, uh, I don't want to be, I don't like to be touched at all." And I was like, "Okay, cool, sorry." And I felt terrible about how my boundaries were not, like I didn't understand his boundary, but also made too many assumptions about my own and what would or would not be appreciated. Well, I'm just declaring right now, you guys want to give me a, a <laughs> shot in the arm or get a high five or whatever. I'm down with that. All right. I'm fine for a punch in the face. Hey, I don't, <laughs> I don't spend enough time with you, Brett, in the same space. What are your weird issues in the uh, office? Uh, well, my main one was the, it actually stems, it's, it hasn't been an issue since we got here because I don't, we don't even have dishes here right now, but it's the, the, the pile up of dishes in the sink in our previous radio station at, or location at Polo Park the dishes would pile up relentlessly. It was just this endless assault of dishes, and I don't know who was responsible. Were these all spare spoons from Loren dipping into people's soup? Oh, (laughs) there there may have been one or two of those. Whenever I came in on Monday morning, uh, I would see this pile of dishes from our weekend staff, and I'd have to send out these notes like, guys, clean up after yourself. Uh, Don't be so disgusting. Like, who, who... I don't. I just don't understand. Like, why would anybody think that's okay? Like, were you raised by wolves? Uh, so yeah, that's the that really bothers me. I actually was. I gave up trying to. I used to clean up after them, and I left it. Kelly Moore was the last man standing on that front. He would he would clean up the sink and empty the dishwasher. He was the only one in the building who did it. So that's me. Gabby's being quiet right now. Are you that person, Gabby? No, no. I actually like doing dishes, though. I find it very therapeutic. So as long as they're not covered in disgusting food, if people rinse off their dishes, I'll do their dishes for them. I'll assume that role. My boys are on their way over to your place right now. (laughs) They will leave you some dishes, let me tell you. Send wine, Loren, please, with them. Uh, We are also talking this week about pests like wasps doesn't that but you got, got a pest encounter it doesn't have to be a wasp it could be like a you know mosquito invasion or perhaps a, a mouse or a vole yeah i had mice in my apartment it was deeply disturbing oh, yeah. they look so cute and small <laughs> here i'm talking about all the crumbs just to be clear i was not eating in bed that's not what led to the mice in my apartment but uh yeah i had a mouse infestation and, and you know once you have one you never want to have one again because it's it's an icky thing, you guys. I don't recommend it to anyone. Well, yeah. Loren, you grew up on a farm. I imagine mice maybe were part oh, of yeah. your world. 
mice, salamanders, garter snakes. Salamanders. I don't know if a Salam- snake ever got in the house, but salamander did once for sure. Mice for sure. Yeah, and you'd scream every time. I don't. I I honestly was on air. I think it was just last week, and a cricket had somehow gotten into the house and was working its way across the floor, and it took <laughs> everything in me because I couldn't tell what it was. It was just this giant bug. Going across in front of me while I was talking, I was like, be cool, Loren, just be cool. <laughs> but then when they disappear, it's even worse. Like, where did it go? What hole is in the wall that I don't know of? Will it be crawling into my mouth when I go to Will bed? Will it be crawling into my mouth when I go to bed after I snack on some chips? I do eat in bed, by the way. <laughs> don't worry, if a, if a mouse does that, you'll know, Loren. You'll know quickly. Gabby Marchand is the host of Global News Morning, weekdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Did I hear you're off next week? Yes. I am taking a week to see a niece and a nephew I haven't seen in almost two years. So I'll see you guys the week after. Right on. Well, enjoy your time off. And thanks for joining us for the weekly Gab with Gabby. Does that mean it's a Gabigail next week? It's a Gabigail. All right. Looking forward to that as well. And we're looking forward to giving away some Banjo Bowl tickets. Oh, yes. I believe this is the music from Office Space where they destroy the printer. We're talking about office full pause, and well, this is like a weird intro to the song, I guess. But the, we're talking about the office full pause, the things your coworkers do to drive you crazy. And we got lots of texts, Loren, on cutting their nails. Yes! Like uh, one listener says, had a coworker who would trim their fingernails at their desk. Nothing like having lunch and having a stray fingernail fly over the wall and onto your food. And James was talking about toenails in the break room, not, and they wouldn't clean up like. This is such a common thing that people complain about. Why would anybody think the workplace is the place to do that? There there have been well over a dozen texts about fingernails, so it's clearly happening all the time. Jason James wrote to say it's cutting their toenails in the break room. Yeah, like it's just, that's gross. What are you doing? This next one, though, you got to read this next one uh, from the executive assistant. Do you see that there? Yeah. So the research analyst that sits behind me tends to proofread all their emails, research documents in a loud whisper. So all I hear is if I'm lucky, he does both throughout the day. It's so distracting and annoying. Yeah, I had a colleague. He did that once when he was reading his stories. And you tell me, I'd be like, Mike, really? inside voice. I'm just working through this line. Yeah. In your head. Do it in your head, man. (laughs) Uh, But we've got a winner here. And this comes from Bryce, who says it's a two-hit office faux pas. Working at an open concept office here in town, we were able to wear earbuds while working to cut down on noise pollution. But we had a coworker who would loudly sing along to his music. Not only was that frustrating to deal with, his playlist was also super short and he wouldn't use shuffle. So it was the same songs at the same time. Every day, it was so reliable you could keep time to it. Nothing like hearing poorly sung Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way, at 10.15 every day, reminding you that you still had six hours left in the day. I love it. It'd be like, it's perfect. It's like an alarm. Yeah. You are my fire. When you start your one desire, like, coffee time. And then at lunchtime, it might be like a little Shania or something. Then you get some Destiny Child for the end of the day. Journey, I don't know. I like it. I wonder, I kind of wonder if that would be, 
like do, do, would, would that maybe be like break time i guess in a in a typical 8 to 4 sort of environment 10:15 seems like know. break time it seems like it might be you could set your clock to it so Bryce, congratulations. You are going to the Banjo Bowl and a reminder that you can uh, you still have another chance to win tickets today. Hal Anderson Afternoons has Banjo Bowl tickets and the news, they've got a tickets and treats pass for two from Landmark Cinemas, $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. And Christian O'Mell on the Sports Show has two tickets for Valor FC versus FC Edmonton Tuesday, September 7th. And speaking of the Bombers, Loren, after 9.30, we're talking to a super fan in enemy territory. Yeah, I can't wait. He's tons of fun. He came to the home game from Saskatchewan where he lives. Can you imagine living in Saskatchewan as a Bombers fan? That would be hard. He's going to the Labor Day Classic. And he's got lots to say about how the guts, he has a lot to say about how the fans are uh, <laughs> overconfident in his words in that province. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling back next week. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. Congratulations once again to Bryce, who won our tickets for the Banjo Bowl. But of course, the Banjo Bowl is what comes next. The Labor Day Classic is this weekend. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers head into enemy territory this weekend, traveling to Regina. And a reminder for the Labor Day Classic, pregame coverage starts right here on CJOB at 3 p.m. Kickoff set for 5 p.m. Okay, so our next guest will be at that game, and he's well-versed on how to handle boisterous Riders fans because he's a true Blue Bomber fan living in Riders Nation. Corey Chapansky joins us now from Saskatchewan. Hi, Corey. Hi, good morning, Lorraine. Thank you very much for having me back to talk about some CFL this year. Oh, I like to talk about anything that puts the other guys down in a nice, respectful way, I guess. But Tate, remind us, how long have you been a Bombers fan, Corey? I have been a Bombers fan my whole life, so I, I you know not to get into ages, but I'm getting up to 45 years old. I've been out in Saskatchewan now going on for eight years here. Uh, so deep in Rider Nation and uh, definitely been uh, highly involved in the rivalry since I got here. Now, if we recall correctly, you aren't, you are not afraid to display your love of the Bombers. Do you have signs up in the yard, flags in the car, get all dressed up for the games? Absolutely. All of the above. Uh, The signs aren't right outside in the yard. They're uh, displayed lovely from uh, a safe place inside the house. We want to keep them. Uh, You know, the, the, the ribbing has been good, but this year... Uh, the confidence of the riders and Rider Nation is high. It's higher than I've ever seen it before. When they have an O behind it, there's three and O. That O has to go. And uh, once we do that, then they'll be back more into uh, reality and realize that, uh, that this is a long season and they can't play in the Great Cup after three games. What's that like? You know, because I know I, I know you. You'll be wearing your clothes, your bombers clothes to work. You'll put on a t-shirt or a jersey or what have you. Like you said, you're not afraid to display it. So. Are you getting ribbed a lot these days? Like, what's the attitude from others going into this weekend? They they really do believe that they're the best team in the CFL and that they're going to beat the Bombers in this game. And, I mean, let's not joke. Look at the history of the last 10 years of Labor Day Classic. If you bet on sports games, you know uh, not to bet on this game. Like, I am a true blue believer. I know that we're going into this game with a, with a chip on our shoulder. We're going to try to do our best. We've got... Harris back. Willie Jefferson's playing awesome. Defense is amazing. Both these teams' defenses are the best in the league. It's going to be a heck of a show. Uh, I really do personally believe the Bombers are going to squeak this one out. We're going to turn the tide on Labor Day, and uh, we're going to start to own this date. 
Well, and they might have a chip. On, you mentioned the chip on their shoulder. I know in a couple of weeks, I think it was just in the last couple of weeks, even the riders themselves were saying the Grey Cup no longer goes through Calgary. It goes through Regina. And when I heard that, I thought, hang on a second. Who won the Grey Cup last year? So uh, the not only overconfidence, but it's almost like they're they're trying to rile up the Bombers. Absolutely. And when we can say, you know, 11-time Grey Cup champs and ask them a question about how many rings they got, uh, that usually ends the conversation pretty quick. Uh, but like I said, they're always quick to plan a Grey Cup parade. Uh, they're, they're pretty confident going into this game. A sellout crowd. to be my wife's first game in, in well over a decade. We are so excited to be there and to be a part of this historic event. So what's your advice for your wife? You said it was her first game, Corey. Have you been to a Labor Day Classic before? Because I know, like, you know, it's all, it, usually it's fairly good-natured, but, man, it can be tough going into yeah. Mosaic uh, wearing your blue and gold. Absolutely. Um, they're notorious fans. Uh, you know, if you relate it to hockey, like Boston, Montreal, you got to watch your P's and Q's when you're in there. But most, for the most part, everybody is really good to you. Uh, it just gets near the end of the game when the drinks have been flowing and depending on what the score is, depending on what the energy level is like, uh, it can change really quickly. Labor Day is usually a lot of fun. Playoffs is a different story. Playoffs is kind of, I know it sounds weird, but i got to keep my mouth shut and, uh, and just enjoy the game. <laughs> so you came to Winnipeg for the home opener. This game in Saskatchewan is going to mark the last one before fans have to be vaccinated. So how's that going down with the fans? <laughs> That's a great, great, uh, great question to bring up. So Saskatchewan is um, it, it, it's a bit of a different mindset than Manitoba. They, the rules have been a lot more lax here all along. The vaccination rates are a lot different. Um, there is, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of unhappy people and a lot of happy people. There was a lot of people that didn't go to the first few games here in Saskatchewan because there was no rules about being dual vaccinated. So I don't think it's going to affect the crowd numbers very much. But uh, it's definitely a hot topic of conversation at Coffee Row. So when it comes to just, you know, your love of this game, Corey, I'm, I'm curious, you, do you drive back to Winnipeg often for games? Like, I know this year we haven't been able to, but is that something you'll do regularly? What, what is that, five or six hours for you? Yeah, yeah, six hours. But when you have a chance to see the, you know, the home opener, first game of the CFL, the Grey Cup banner and the 11-time champ banner being uh, – being unveiled, I mean, you got You can't pass that up. Uh, it was amazing. It was so great to be there. Uh, it, it just felt normal, so to speak, uh, coming into the CFL season. So I don't know if you were lis- if you're able to listen to the the, the post game show at all in the, the most recent game for the Bombers, but Greg Ma- our co host Greg Mackling who was off this week. He texted us to say, "Hey, around nine fifty one, my buddy Kyle called and made a bet." So I want to play this and get your reaction and then tell you the conclusion the early conclusion so to speak so here we go hey guys i um i always get a kick out of people that phone in from all over the world so today i'm phoning in from the third most northerly community in canada arctic bay nunavut still bright out here wait a minute uh, wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute are you serious you're calling in from nunavut yeah arctic bay 73 degrees it's still bright out here Okay. So when I come off the plane and I land here, the guy picks me up. He's got a Rough Riders hat on. Can't believe it. So we made a bet for Labor Day. The loser has to put on their bathing suit and walk up past their boys in the Arctic Ocean with the other posing cap on for a picture. So we need to win next week. Kyle, are you really calling from Nunavut? 
I, I absolutely have. <laughs> they went on to grill him for a couple of minutes. Like, okay, Doug says, all right, no, prove it. Prove what that you're in Nunavut. What are you doing up there? Um, but 73 degrees, by the way, is 22 Celsius, I think, or 22, 23 mm. degrees. So uh, we ask you then, Corey, is, is that a bet that you would make to walk into the Arctic Bay in a bathing suit? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things I would bet. And I, I can say loosely, yeah, I would love to make that bet. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've lost a lot financially on Labor Day over the last 10 years, so I've learned to not, not bet with money, that's for sure. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, there, the follow-up from Kyle, because we were actually in going to invite Kyle onto the show today, but he says, I have unfortunate news on that front. After we joked about the bet and I let it out on the post-game show, I pushed him to shake on it. Well, he is out. I think he's just scared. Too bad, because I'd love to see him in the Arctic Ocean with my bomber cap on. So that seems to me like Ryder fans, they don't even have confidence in their team. They're a bunch of chickens. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I hope we can prove them wrong. I mean, this is uh, this is a game to get the, se- uh, the rest of the season going and to, to drop that one loss and, and, and just keep moving. So I really hope the Bombers can pull this one off. We'll be loud. We'll be proud. We'll have our cowbells and uh, really, really looking forward to it. Are you a chanter? Do you ever get a chant going at the game when you're in enemy territory, so to speak, Corey? No, uh, no, I'm not. I, I'm definitely vocal. Uh, and, uh, you know, when the first downs come around and, and all that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm one of the first to be screaming. But, uh, no, I haven't got any bomber chance going in, in Ryderville before. Are there, is there any place where bomber fans can gather before the game to uh, enjoy each other's company, so to speak? Well, there is, there's like a, an event kind of area similar to IGF Field where you can gather um, I don't know all the rules on tailgating this year. I'm going to guess that Saskatchewan still doesn't have the rules in place. So there will probably be several uh, dozen groups, uh, different groups partying and, and barbecuing and whatnot outside. I can tell you that last year or two years ago, Labor Day, uh, I was invited, you know, open arm to some of those uh, tailgates. And, and they all the Ryder fans were, were quite friendly at that time and giving me smoked ribs and all sorts of things. So uh, it is it is a really good environment to go to and to be at uh, the end of the game, like I says a different story yeah they're nice to you at the start i don't know if they're feeding you at the end if we win Corey. hey are you gonna make it to the banjo bowl after or are you taking this one weekend at a time one weekend at a time right now uh we'll see what we'll see what happens but i would definitely love to be there all right Corey shapansky joining us from saskatchewan a bomber fan in enemy territory living smack in the middle of rider nation enjoy the labor day classic and maybe hey maybe the fact that you haven't bet on the game shall bode well for the team excellent thank you so much everybody go big blue and uh, have a great weekend all right, you too, Corey. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great that for the most part, Loren, that he can enjoy, you know, that, that Ryder fans are friendly. I know that he pointed out in the playoffs, maybe you don't want to mm-hmm. be too vocal. And I get that. But because uh, we hear so many times uh, uh, teams that are or fans that are like mean to other fans. We had that incident. I think it was during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Was it a, oh, was it a Habs fan who got beat up and had his jersey yeah. stolen? Yeah, that was a Jets fan. Oh yeah, the Jets in fan. Montreal yeah. who had that. But you know, like we're not great either. Like there's been times too that the crowd has got 
rowdy with the opposing team fans and hockey too, like not just football. When you mentioned the Habs game, I know my youngest is a Leafs fan. And when the Leafs were being the Jets at a home game a couple of years ago, we had to take him to walk around down the concourse because the crowd was getting so rowdy. Not just not particularly with him, but they were mad at losing. Mm. And then so it was like, yeah, he's seven. I don't know if he needs to have F-bombs hurled all around him. You know, <laughs> that kind of. Fair enough. He, he does like to do the old, um, you know, like he's not afraid to pull the jersey out, you know, that the whole like, Check it out, leaves when they score. So, you know, <laughs> he's, he's confident. Well, good for him. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.